chapter 6 and verse 7. Can somebody give me a review of what we talked about last week? Without looking at their Bible. I see you down there, Sister Kim. You're searching it. Right. Um, anybody remember anything from last week? I'd like to give a little review every time. Surety. And surety has to do with what? Okay, being responsible for someone's debt. Give me an example of something that you could be surety for. Yes. Open it a check, right? I just need to help you. Just need to help me, okay? And you got to be careful with that. Uh, if they come and say, hey, would you co-sign a car loan with me? Better be careful with that, right? Because you're responsible for that person, okay? And now it doesn't have to be just financial. Hey, could you back me up if I get in trouble here? Have you ever heard that, huh, Andrew? Yeah? Uh, you might have to fight somebody else's fight. The Bible says what? It says, Thou art snared with the words of thy mouth, thou art taken with the words of thy mouth. It says, Do this now, my son, deliver thyself. When thou art come into the hand of thy friend, go humble thyself and make sure thy friend. So we find here that there was a sense of what? Humility when it comes to this person. Don't promise something you cannot obtain. Say, uh, I remember watching those, those mystery shows, and the one cop says, We're going to find the killer. And the other cop says, Don't say that. We don't know if we'll find him or not, right? That kind of responsibility that says, hey, I'm going to do it, but you don't know if you can do it. It's basically a promise kept. you got to be careful what you're going to say. And then we talked about the idea of the sluggard. I love that word. It's kind of like the word braggart, you know, sluggard. Kind of gets that, you feel like you're just kind of slow moving, okay? My, yes, like a sloth. Uh, sloth, why don't you girls be quiet, please? Uh, a sloth is uh, basically an animal that, uh, if we've seen from the movies, that moves very, very slow, okay? And the Bible's talking about the sluggard. Consider, it says, Go to the ant, thou sluggard, and consider her ways and be wise. And we gave some examples of uh, what an ant does. It says, Provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. And then it has this open-ended question, how long wilt thou sleep? Now, the understanding there is that, you know what, it's good to have sleep. I don't know about you, but I like to have good seven, eight hours of rest every night if I can. When you're getting four or five hours, you better think of a way to get some more because it's going to eventually ruin you. I know for a fact I did that for two years. I got about four or five hours of sleep, and I don't remember anything that went on during that time because I was so tired. It's not good for you not to get your sleep. But he says here, How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? Arise out of thy sleep. Um, it says, When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? It says, Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of hands to sleep. I used to tease my father. He would have a, uh, he never had a recliner in our house. And I never understood that. You know, a lazy boy recliner where you could sit back. And uh, we had a rocking chair and we had a couch. Well, we never had a recliner, and I could never figure out why. 
Until recently, he said, uh, son, I never had a recliner before because if I had a recliner, I would sit down and go to sleep. And uh, it's true. You sit down in that recliner and you're relaxing. And the next thing you know, those little eyes start to flutter and you're snoring, right? you got to be careful that we're not someone that is a slave to sleep. Uh, that alarm clock goes off. What should you do? Hit the snooze button? No. Get up. My father was, uh, he was notorious for getting us kids up. We were, we liked to sleep long times. And I remember one time my dad, it was, he was notorious for waking us up very rudely. Uh, if the alarm clock went off and the feet did not hit the floor, my dad says, he was coming for you. And uh, he would come. I remember one time our, heat, our feet didn't hit the floor. He had a bucket of water. And it wasn't just any bucket. It was like two and a half gallons. It was a big bucket of water. And it was cold. It wasn't warm. And me and my brother, we were sitting there. He just took that whole bucket and doused our head in it. I mean, he just, you girls get something ready, ready for this. He just took his whole bucket, just mattress and all, sheets and all, just a whole bucket on our head. I remember waking up going, oh, you know, that's the weirdest and rudest awakening I've ever had. Right? What happened? I had to be what? Waking out of my sleep. My dad would he'd do everything he could to make sure us boys got up on time. He bought us alarm clocks. Even when he didn't have any money, I remember he bought this real cheap alarm clock for me. And he took the alarm clock and it went off. And I was sleeping still. It was The alarm was just going and going. I was just sleeping through it. I couldn't even hear it. He literally took the alarm clock and put it up to my ear. And I wouldn't wake up. And he says, it's time to get you another alarm clock, son. But you know, it's important not just not to have uh, too much sleep. I mean, uh, not have enough sleep. Most of us don't have that. But it's, it's important not to have too much sleep. Um, all right, so we're moving on. And we took this last part, and I wanted to kind of uh, go over it because it's a really good part, and this is something that we should study. And it says, therefore, uh, let's start back in verse 12. Um, a naughty person, a wicked man, walketh with a froward mouth. He winketh with his eyes. He speaketh with his feet. He cheacheth with his fingers. Frowardness is in his heart. He, he deviseth mischief continually. He soweth discord. Therefore shall his calamity come suddenly. Suddenly shall he be broken without remedy. Now, the Lord moves on in verse 16. It says, in verse 16, These six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are abomination unto him. All right. You know what hate means, don't you? Hate's a very, very strong word. If I said, I... Trying to think of something I hate. Yeah, I hate liver. Eric's shaking his head. You like liver? Boy, you're a weird guy, man. It's, it is cheap because nobody likes it. <laughs> I hate liver. What does that mean? I detest it. I abhor it, right? The Bible says, These six things the Lord doth, a Lord hate. Yea, seven are abomination unto him. What's an abomination? An offense to the Lord? It's an object, right? It's an object of something that brings hatred in someone's heart, right? Um, uh, you think about the... Uh, how many ever heard... And I like to use this example because some people never heard the word abomination. Uh, if you take uh, in Revelation, it talks about an abominable, right? 
Where do you remember in, in popular culture, where do you hear the word abominable? The abominable snowman, right? He was the just the awful. Why was he so abominable? Because he was frightening, right? He was he not that you didn't hate him per se, but you you were scared of it. It was just awful. It was a extreme uh, uh, emotion that just made you scared. And I don't think the Lord is uh, scared of this sin. I think he just he just abhors it. He hates it. It's interesting here because I had to think about it for a second. Now, last week we talked about the seven, right? The number seven. Uh, me and my wife was going through some of the things. That, you know, there's seven days of creation, right? The Lord rested on the seventh day and said it was it was complete. It was finished. Um, you can look through some of the responses uh, through the seven response. There's a seven responses in certain places. Seven is always considered a completion of the things that God hates. Now, I had to ask myself. Why would God say six and then seven? I want to hear what you guys have to say first before I move on. Why would God say six? Six things doth they hate, yea, seven are abomination unto him. No. I mean, you could take that. Anybody? Okay. Anybody else? Oh, my resident scholar back there, Sam. You got anything for me, bud? No? What about it, Dan? No? All right. Are you guys ready? This is going to be hard. Six things that the Lord hates. Yay, seven. He stresses on the seven, doesn't he? And what is the seventh thing that he has there? What's the seventh thing? It's the last thing on the list. Sowing discord among the brethren. And I'll get to that eventually. But I think that an interesting point that he had to point out that number seven completed the abomination list. And it says here, first of all, proud look. What's a proud look? A proud look. Uh, I can think of uh, a few people that had a proud look. You never see anything, uh, you never see anything right eye to eye. Um, basically, a person that has a proud look, uh, it's not just a look on their face, it's a ca- their countenance, right? I am always right, you are always wrong, there's no humility in the situation, it's always, I'm right. <laughs> I've always met someone like that. I have. I've been like that. i, I got to be careful, right? I'm right. Oscar knows, right? Me and Oscar used to have some... Some good fights back in the dorm when we went to Bible college together, right? I remember it was my brother. But, you know, it's not always like that. My brother and me, we would get in fights all the time. And, and uh, it was always, I'm right. Proud look, God doesn't care for. What is the sense of pride? Pride comes from what? What does pride come from? A haughty spirit. Okay, that's kind of the essence of what pride the emotion that pride brings is a haughty spirit. Where is pride? What is the center of pride? Where does it come from? Thank you. Captain Obvious, you get the button today. Yes, it comes from uh, a, a sense of, I guess you could say, the devil. Brooklyn? Okay. It's in nature. But what? where does that emotion come from? There has to be a sense of 
of uh, entitlement, right? If you're proud, what does it mean? Yeah. It comes from a sense of unthankfulness, right? I, who had the first pride? Sense of pride. Go back all the way back to the to before the Garden of Eden, Sister Reina. Right. I'm sorry, what'd you say? Satan. What did Satan say? I, right? That sense of I am the most important. I will be God. You can't be that way. As a Christian, we gotta realize that God has given us a sense of humility. You are a what? You're not a master. You're a. If you're not the master, you're the servant. You are to be a, no longer a slave to sin, but a servant to who? God. God says a proud look is not going to work. A proud look is a sense of accomplishment. A proud look is a, a sense of entitlement. A proud look says, I am the most important person in the room. Hear me. A proud look says, I don't have to listen to anyone. I. No, I am the smartest person in the room. That's what the world says today. God hates that. He hates a proud look. What's the next one on the list here? A lying tongue. A lying tongue. I remember when I was about 10 years old, we moved to Fairhaven Baptist uh, Church. Our church did. Our, my, my dad did and my mom. And my dad went to Bible college. And I had this really serious problem, Andrew. I was a thief. I would steal from my parents. And it was before the days when everything could be paid, paid with with credit cards. So my dad kept one of these bifold wallets. Not a wallet per se, but a bifold. Um, not more than bifold. It would be a, um, a trifold or whatever one of those folders. You ever seen those? And he would stick his budgeted money in there. And I remember as a young person, the first time I opened that up and found out what it was, like, whoa, there was $50 bills, there were $100 bills. And I thought, boy, I'm rich. So I'd slowly, I'd take a 20 there, 20 here. One day I got bold enough, I says, you know what, that $50 bill, I can use that. So I took that $50 bill, never thinking that this was all budgeted money that my father had worked hard for and had worked hard to get. And he had budgeted, and he was, he was saving his money. He was being faithful to saving his money. And I took that $50 bill, and you know what the first thing that I buy it on? We went to the Fairhaven Baptist bookstore. And in the bookstore, they have candy. And every 10-year-old boy knows. Do you think I'm looking for theological books? No. Do you think I'm looking for the latest and greatest music CD from Fairhaven? Uh, no. What I was looking for was that Snickers candy bar. And I remember I would take that, that $50 bill and, boy, my friends, I whipped that puppy out and the kids I had just met and I was friends with, whoa, I was, the, I was their best buddy. Whoa, where'd you get that at? $50, holy cow. Some of them probably had not seen it. I'm like, wow, that's a lot of money. I said, I know. I whipped that puppy out and I went to the bookstore counter and, and I paid for a 50 cent candy bar with 50 bucks. And the lady's like, you don't got anything smaller, do you? I'm like, nope, that's all I got. And little did I know, my mother was standing off in the corner watching me pay for a uh, 50 cent Snickers candy bar with 
And I remember as I paid for that $50 bill and had that big amount of change, stuffed it back in my, my pants po- pocket, my mother looked at me and said, where did you get that? Well, what did I say? I had a lying tongue, didn't I? Oh, I don't, Grandma gave it to me. Now, you've already spent that, son. Where did you get that? Uh, well, yeah, don't you remember? Grandma gave me another $50. No, she didn't, son. Where did you get that? And she kept belting it into me and belting it into me. And finally, she told my dad, Harold's got 50 bucks. Oh, my goodness. My dad, I remember him taking me by the lapels and going, Where did you get that money? I took it from you, Dad. Oh, my goodness. I thought I was going to die that night. I thought I remember my mom going, Kurt, we're in public. And, and she put me down. Let's go. I had been stealing, I don't know, probably stole a couple hundred bucks from him. And uh, this was back in the early 90s. Uh, actually, 1990 to be exact, 89, 90. I remember just my dad being so mad. Now, he never did actually discipline me, but to this day, when I think about lying, I think about that. Uh, just recently, I heard a professor of mine from Fairhaven Baptist College had a heart attack, Mr. Kelso. I remember the first time that I lied at the academy there, my friend and I were goofing off in, a, in study hall, and and he would say, hey, he'd look at him, and we'd be putting our pencil out there, and we'd be making mustaches and laughing at each other. We're supposed to be studying. There was no talking. There was no goofing around. And I remember I had this lying tongue still. And the, Mr. Kelso saw, what are you doing? And I looked at him and says, oh, we're doing nothing. I saw you. You had your pencil out there, didn't you? Oh, no, 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 no. I wasn't doing anything. And he just kept at it. And he just kept at it. Eventually... He found the root of the problem. He found that I was lying. I remember him writing that 10 demerits out. 10 demerits at that school meant you got three swats. Well, I tell you what, there are times I remember lying's not good. Now you say, Brother Harold, do we still lie today as adults? Yeah, we do it all the time. Don't we? We lie to ourselves, don't we? Oh, I'm just going to take a couple. I talked about sleep. I'm just going to take a couple more minutes. And we spend 30 minutes sleeping. Oh, I'm going to have my devotions, but what do you do instead? You get in that Facebook routine, right? Oh, I've got to check my emails. i got to check my Facebook. i got to check this. i got to check that. We lie all the time. Your boss says, hey, this is what you have to do to finish this project or this chore. And what do you do? You don't do it. You've just lied. But God says he hates it. He abhors it. What's the next one? It says a lying tongue. Then it says what? And hands that shed innocent blood. Now I would hope that nobody in here is a murderer. I would hope it doesn't. But God, it's interesting how God equates murder with what? Look at the one before it. A lying tongue. What else does he equate it with? A proud look. He's saying, look, you're going to be a liar. You're going to be proud. It's just as bad if you murder someone. God does not allow sin. He hates sin. He looks at sin as awful. And he doesn't want us to do it. But you know what? He hates that. He abhors that. What's the next one? It says, A heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. Where do we get our wicked imaginations from? My daughter's recently. Where's Adeline? There's Adeline. She's been having bad dreams. 
I don't know what she had a bad dream about recently, but she'll wake us up in the middle of the night and say, I had a bad dream. We'll comfort her and pray with her. I remember as a, even as, a, as an adult having horrible dreams. You know what's interesting? You know where I got those bad dreams from? From my own imagination. You know, what you put in is what you get out. I could never understand how a Christian could sit there and watch scary movies. I was sitting there at uh, Starbucks in LaPorte, Indiana, and there was these young people. That obviously, they were Christians. The young ladies were wearing dresses, and the young men, they were talking about church. And, and I was listening to them. I thought, oh, I was encouraged to hear some young people being faithful to church and being faithful to the things of God. I thought, boy, this is great. And the next thing I know, they're talking about scary movies. And I just so discouraged about that. Why? Because they're demonic. They bring a sense of what? Of fear. The Bible says God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love and a joy and a sound mind. Listen to me. You know where you get your imagination? This is what you put into it. What you've read. What you're watching. How many have a good dream? Dream you don't want to wake up from sometimes, right? Yes, great dreams. Where do those dreams come from? I really believe in what you've, what the Bible says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be what? There are some sense of understanding there. What you're watching, what you're listening to, what you're thinking about. If you're dwelling on things that are not right, your subconscious, when you go to bed, is going to get even worse. Now, I'm not just talking about dreams, but I'm talking about things in your own heart. Maybe you're struggling with a thought sin. How do you deal with that? Don't dwell on those things that are going to cause you to do things that are wrong. You're a worrier. You worry all the time. How do you stop worrying? It's by spending time with Jesus Christ and putting your faith and trust in His ability to do what you need to get done. Christians today have been so uh, in, uh, permeated with uh, the world. They've been permeated by the things of this world. And so when it comes to time for them to depend on Jesus Christ, instead of having right imaginations, they have wicked imaginations. The Bible says to cast down every imagination that exalteth itself against the what? The will of God. You have a desire to live by faith. Why? Because God can do something special in your heart. It should be said of every Christian that their ability to avoid that type of spirit comes from their relationship with Jesus Christ. And now, let me tell you, it's, it's true. Moving on. It says here, what's the next one? It says, a false witness that speaketh lies. I'm sorry, next one is, feet that be swift in running to mischief. Where's my Noli at? He's, is he in here? Little Noli. He can't even walk yet. His little, his little body will get into anything and everything he can find. You put him on the ground, and you put him right here, he'll crawl over there, and he'll have those trees torn down before you know it. My little uh, niece, her name is Elise. She's got angelmans. And Elise, she is by far the quickest, most agile person I've ever met. That little girl can be, you give her 60 seconds, and you say, how much mess do you want? Because she can destroy things that fast. My sister turns her head and boom! She, she, they have had to put all kinds of things up to prevent her from getting into stuff. She's a Houdini 
to be honest with you. She can get through locked doors. She can crawl over gates. She's just amazing. She's been able to escape the house twice. All because she's what? Very agile. Her little feet runs, runs to what? Mischief. You say, Harold, that's a pretty, uh, Brother Harold, that's a pretty funny illustration. But how does, that do, how does that do with me? What is your spare time done? What are you doing with your spare time? Yeah, right? I, I mentioned this just not too long ago. It says what? Uh, idle mind is the devil's, or idle hand is the devil's workshop, right? What are you doing with your time? Is it the first thing you want to do is the things that you know you shouldn't do? Uh, the wife's out of the room, so you go and do something that you shouldn't do. Uh, the husband's gone, so you go out and live it up. Uh, your mom and dad are not there. They're not watching. What are you doing? Is your feet running to mischief? God says he hates it. We've got to be careful. Uh, John R. Rice had this song. He says, do right till the stars fall. Do right till the last call. Do right when you're all alone. That is important. Your responsibility before God is to live by faith and not by sight. You are to do what God says, no matter if everybody in the room is doing it or not. The automatic thing is I need to do the right thing. I have this coworker of mine. He's constantly telling me, Harold, you need to stop doing that. What am I doing? I'm doing my job. My job is we got these preventive maintenance uh, jobs that we're supposed to do. Nobody's checking in. If I go there and sign in and then drive away for an hour and sign out, nobody knows anything different. But I do. I do. And this young man will tell me, why do you keep doing that? He says, just walk away. You don't have to do that, brewer. You don't have to do that, grinder. You don't have to do that, water test. Just walk away. My, my Bible says that him that knoweth to do good doeth it not, to him it is sin. And if, you, if I allow myself to do the mischievous thing, I'm in trouble, ain't it? God hates it. God hates it. Number six. All right, we're almost there. A false witness that speaketh lies. Boy, you say, wait a minute. Wait a minute, Brother Harold. God hates the same thing. Isn't a lying tongue and a false witness that speaketh lies the same thing? Andrew's shaking his head. Andrew, what do you think? Yes. Right. Oh, Miss Kim, you want to tell us about this, Sister Kim? Uh, no, Sister Kim's not stealing anything. Um, but we we understand a false witness is someone that's lying about someone else, isn't it? Oh, thank you, brother. We got to hold back, man. We have to get you up here and preach a couple messages. But you know what? The idea there is as a Christian, if you're saying things, and I've already told you some false witness that I've had, uh, I, I, I could probably tell you a lot more. Uh, I remember uh, my sister when I was young, uh, she, she said that, uh, I'm trying to remember what she did. She stole quarters. I had, you, ever, you guys remember those, um, those um, hole reinforcements that you had for paper? You'd stick it. And you'd put it on, if the, if the hole in your paper tore, you'd put that reinforcement over top of it. It's a little bit old. I know, you're like, uh, what, 30, 30, what are you, 30? You're 20? You're 20? 32? Okay, so I'm a little bit older than you. And, and, and Sister Kim, she remembers it. She, she's showing her age, too. Uh, but anyway, 
uh, Brother Glenn says, what are you talking about? We didn't do anything but stone and, and chisel. I'm just kidding, brother. I'm trying to honor my elders here. Uh, but you know what? Uh, I remember there was this little box they would put these uh, reinforcements in, and she, I put my quarters in there. I remember putting them in my room, and, and one day I came out and they were gone. And my sister, she blamed it on someone or something else. Right? She was being a false witness. I remember my mom, we tease her about it to this day. Uh, we used to have our church, um, the first, the second floor was the apartment. And the downstairs was where the church was at. And then the very, very third floor of the basement was where we had our Sunday school and things of that nature. And I remember my mom had this really nice camera and she could not find it. And uh, you guys are going to laugh. She would always, she would blame it on the bus kids. The kids that would come to church that we'd pick up, like Micah and Brooklyn. I think I know where they went. The bus kids took it. And so from that point on, if something goes missing, we look at mom and say, I think the bus kids took it. Uh, because the funny thing is, is just literally five minutes later, we found it under her bed. She was being a what? A false witness, right? She was saying the bus kids did it. Uh, but we tease her about that to this day. But the idea there is what? A false witness. Now, I use some silly illustrations, but how does that apply to you? How are you a false witness? Do we ever do things on the fly, accuse someone of something that we shouldn't, just because they're the most convenient person in the room? We've got to be careful. And that goes for our, us as Christians, right? You ever had, did some evil surmising? Boy, that'll, you know, like you said, that'll kill some unity real fast, won't it? Well, I think this person... They probably did it, right? This person, yeah, I, that sounds like something they would do. How many's ever heard that? Oh, yeah. Oh. Right? One of those numbers. You're speaking with your hands a little bit, right? Uh, uh, you're having a bad spirit because you, you have evil thoughts towards that person. And that's exactly what God hates. He hates when we turn against each other and we allow for ourselves to let evil thoughts continue on someone else. And it's important that we don't do that because if we're like that, what are we doing? We're not being loving. Now again, if someone, you see someone living in some awful, awful sin and, oh brother, I love you. I'm just going to give you a hug. No, you need to take care of it. But listen, don't do things just because you think that of them. Don't do that just because that person proceeds, oh, well, they, they have to do that. Make sure, you're, make sure of yourself before you accuse someone of something. Don't be a false witness. God hates that. Now, last one, but not least, we find here, it says, now this is interesting because this is number seven. This is the seventh thing that God mentions. It's the abomination. What is it? Someone read that for me. False witnesses, number nine, verse 19. Someone read that for me. And he that soweth discord among the brethren. Now, we used to have an evangelist here that was the devil's advocate. Uh, he would try, he, he, Brother Andrew, I don't know if you remember Brother Jim Lyman, but he came in one time and he was, he said he had converted to, what was he? I thought it was Muslim. No, it was Mormon, wasn't it? He came in. He said he had converted to Mormon. Sister Kim, can you imagine this evangelist coming in? He says he had converted to Mormon, and he gave his reasons for it. 
He got up in front of the church. But he had told me and my dad before. He says, I haven't converted. I'm just going to see what people say. So he got up there. And he was, I converted to Mormon. He started giving proofs of why he was a Mormon. And you say, why did he do that? Well, I'll tell you what. If he was doing it out of evil intent, he was sowing what? Discord among the brethren. God has always expected unity. Let's look at some verses, and I want you guys to kind of uh, deal on these. Philippians chapter 2, verse 2. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 2. It says, Fulfill ye my joy that ye be what? Say it louder. Like-minded, having the same love of one accord, of one mind. Now, you might say, I don't know, Andrew, what, what are you really into? What's your, what's your passion? You like work, making games, right? That's your passion. You like doing that, right? And now I would say, you say Android, and I would say what? iPhone, right? Okay. Oh, iPhone's better! It's very hard to find people that have all the same mind, right? Uh, you say, uh, when I was a kid, it was Nike or Reebok, right? Uh, oh, Nike, I have Nikes, no, I have Reeboks. But as Christians, we are to grow together as Christians, loving each other. How does that happen? I have this little sign that's posted in our bedroom. It was given to us as a gift at our wedding. It says, a three-cord strand is not likely broken. Listen, you have to, in order to have that relationship with each other, you have to have relationship with Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what you think or what someone else thinks. All that matters is what Jesus Christ wants, what Jesus Christ wants us to be part of. Uh, the Bible says, one a love, one accord, one mind. First Peter chapter 3 and verse 8, you can write it down and get to it later. Just for the sake of time, I'll read it. Finally, all of one, I'm sorry, be all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren, uh-oh, be pitiful, be what? Courteous. It's not so much. Maybe you disagree with a brother. I say, brother, I believe in iPhones. And you look back at me, I believe in Androids. Now, I'm using a silly illustration to illustrate my point. I need to think of Brother Andrew. Maybe he really does like Androids i got to be careful what I'm saying. Now, there are times, granted, the Bible says to earnestly contend for the faith. If someone's very errant in their doctrine, you got to be careful. Uh, I, I'll tell you what, there's going to be people that are going to walk through these doors that are going to have a different opinion. Uh, different opinion in the church all the time. People are going to, but you know what? As Christians, we should, we should meld together. We should be a, a great melting pot in our spirit. Why? Because unity is so important. If we don't have unity, why is it? Daniel, why would we not have unity? I know it's hard to speak over the sound of the plane. Do your best, though. Why wouldn't we have unity as a church? I'm sorry, say that one more time. Arguments of different views. The Bible says to avoid what? Foolish and unlearned what? Questions. 
What are those foolish and unlearned questions? Those are things that you have not been dogmatic about. Those are the things that you have not really researched and studied, but instead of halfway in, oh, I believe this is the way to go. You get your pride up. You get that first one that says, I'm a, a proud look. So what are you doing? Politics is the worst thing for this for the church in disunity. We have people in our church that have so far, they're so politically different. And you say, really? Yeah, I've talked to a few of them. Um, I would say I'm bent more conservatively. But there are some people that have some liberal mindsets. You know what? My goal is not to teach them to be conservative. My goal is to teach them to be a Christian, first of all. The conservatism will come with Christianity. Your perspective and your views, your political views, will be shaped once you get into God's word and learn what God's word has to say. There are some things that I cannot avoid. People say, well, I, I like this certain candidate, I like this certain candidate. What do they believe about abortion? Abortion is literally killing an unborn child. The Bible says in Jeremiah that before, before, um, I just, before I, for, thank you, Oscar, before I formed thee, I what knew thee, right? He knows the every every hair on your head. Yet abortion, what says that you're not worthy. You're not, you have no value until you're outside the womb. And now they're even going a step further, and they're saying that even after you get side, outside the womb, you have no value. Well, that's not nothing but straight from Satan. Now, that's a dis, things that would cause this. You know, I try to avoid certain things like that. Why? Because it's a foolish and unlearned question. These people have not learned it, right? They still need to learn it. You got to be careful what you say. The Bible says to what? Be pitiful and be what? Courteous. Sometimes our tactfulness is important, how we speak to others. The Bible says be kind one to another. What does it say, girls? What's the next? Forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Ephesians 4.32 You have a responsibility to your fellow brother and sister in Christ to be courteous, to be pitiful, to be what? Kind! They're going to have differences. They're going to have differences of opinion. How do you deal with it? You can, and you can do it in a way. You can do something that's very loving. We had a brother in Christ that we sat down and we talked right over there. I talked to him for a good 30 minutes about something that I disagreed with him on. Was I red in the face and Rah! Girls have seen that, right? No. I sat there with the most love and kindness I could to present my, my spirit. Why? Because I didn't want them to be overwhelmed with my offense, but they wanted this gospel and the Christianity to be the offense. We have to be careful. All right. The next part, and I don't have any time. I'm really, really went long here. But there is a understanding of what the evil woman. A couple things. It seems like it reflects back to Proverbs chapter 2 that talked about the strange woman, about the evil woman. Um, men, listen, lust not after her beauty in thine heart, neither let her take thee with her eyelids. You know what, girls? you got to be careful that you're not doing one of these numbers. Okay? Yeah, don't do that at a boy, okay? Okay, that is weird, isn't it? You keep that way, okay? Yeah, it is gross and embarrassing. 
Uh, is that how you did it, Miss Raina? Is that how you got Mr. Oscar? Yeah. Did you did you wink the? Is that how you did it, Araceli? Hi, Lewis. Right? Is that what it was? So, is that how Maritza got you, Eric? She just kind of winked her eyes at you, right? The big old fake eyelashes. You know, I saw a lady to Myers the other day. She had these eyelashes that are like this long. I'm like, wow, I'd be asleep all the time because I'd never get my eyes open with that big. But you know what? It says, be careful, men. It says, lust not after her beauty in thine heart, neither let her take thee with her eyelids. For by means of a whorish woman, a man is brought to a piece of bread, and a like adulteress will hunt for the precious life. It's interesting. He gives two illustrations here. He says, can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? I remember uh, uh, Pastor Jeff Vogelin, when I was in Bible college, talked about the spark. The spark. And that was something that they were talking. If you didn't know anything about this, Eric, this is probably you're oblivious to this. But when we were dating uh, in a Bible college in a Christian setting, we tried to keep uh, ourselves from temptation. And so what we would do is we would have chaperones and they would set this rule up. Now, it was always the rule that was said, but it was never spoke. It was never spoken. It was always the rule that was talked about that was never spoken. It was called, you ready for this? The six-inch rule. You ready for that? You know what the six-inch rule is, Eric? You have to be six inches. And I remember one pastor saying, he says, you know what? When my daughter starts dating, I'm going to put the Bible between her and her boyfriend. Why? So if he wants to touch her, he has to climb over Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. <laughs> but you know what? As a Christian, we have to be careful, especially young men, young ladies. you got to be careful that you're not what? Causing that type of lust. That is a what? It's going to burn with inside of you. The Bible says it's better to what? Marry than to what? Burn. And listen to me. Just It just takes a little spark. I love that song. What is it? Uh, it only takes a spark. Brother Glenn likes this. He'd probably get up here and sing it for Sunday special this Sunday. To get a fire going, and soon all those around will warm up in its glowing. I know, you guys are going, oh, sing more, Pastor, sing more. But you know what? It's the same way with a relationship. That's why doc, That's why when I was in college and they made those silly rules of the six-inch rule, why did they make it? Because if you sat too close to that person, you know what? You might start a spark. Listen, they told us that. Why? Because they want to be careful that we weren't starting something that shouldn't be. It says in verse 28, Can one go upon hot coals and his feet not be burned? And it says in verse 29, So he that goeth to his neighbor's wife, whosoever toucheth her, shall not be innocent. We have to be careful that we what? The Bible gives us wives and husbands for a reason. What the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1, what does it say, girls? You're not paying attention. Sam, Dan, what does 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1 say? It's good for a man? There we go. It's good for a man not to touch a woman. The purpose of that is why. But every man have his own what? Wife. It's important to be careful that we are not, as men and women, that we are not allowing ourselves to start a spark. It says in verse 31, But if he be found, he shall restore sevenfold. He shall give the substance of his house. But whoso committeth adultery with a woman lacketh understanding. He that doeth it destroyeth his own soul. 
A wound and dishonor shall he get, and his reproach shall not be wiped away. For jealousy is the rage of a man, therefore he will not spare in the day of vengeance. He will not regard any ransom, neither will he rest content, though thou givest many gifts. It's interesting here that, that how much God shows the jealousy of a man. Kind of the same way God feels about us as the bride of Christ, doesn't it? God does not want us to go away from him. We've got to be faithful to him, consistent uh, to him. Why? Because the only way we can live by faith is by being faithful to our, to our groom. And that's Jesus Christ. All right. Anything, anybody else would like to add to this? Any questions? I know I kind of went long tonight. All right. If we have no questions and we have... Oscar, you sure you don't have anything you want? You know, I, I've really got you going with that Spanish over there, don't I? Okay. All right. Well, Brother Oscar, I guess since you're translating, Brother Glenn, lead us to our closes and word of prayer.